Napa know-how. Every car on the road today deserves quality parts and Napa know-how, but none more than your dream car, especially if you've got it 10 years after it came out. Boy, did your patience pay off, because here you are toting your swagger about town like the gentleman motorist you are at a fraction of the cost. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your dream car running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. The winning run may have come to an end, but Brett Holman's first goal for Brisbane Raw makes it four games unbeaten for John Aloisi's side. Welcome to the Men's Circuitishi Memorial, Episode 7 of the Brisbane Football Review, here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm James Coglin, here to be your host, and I'm joined once again by two slightly sleep-deprived Socceroos fans in Scott Owen and Adam Pace. Nobody can question their dedication to the game. Scott, I understand you went to the Youth League twice this weekend. I did go to the Youth League twice this weekend, thanks to the storm. Well, I got about halfway there. I was coming from the south, so I got to about Highgate Hill, and I stopped, I saw a message from Adam that it's been postponed till 4.30 kickoff, and I looked at my phone, and it was called off till the next morning. So I drove home. So you went. You wound up going on Sunday morning. Oh, didn't no, you? Sunday, yeah. So <laughs> nice, nice and early for a Sunday, but yeah, it was eight thirty kickoff. I hope they provided coffee for the keen fans that were there. <laughs> no, I don't think they had anything open, did they? Uh, when we when we got there, the uh, the the club was closed. Yeah. So too early even for them. Yes. <laughs> all right. We'll get to more on that later. We're going to talk about uh, all things Brisbane football and a little bit from around the rest of the A League. Let's get into segment one: a review of the A League. In what was a tense affair, Brisbane left the home of the defending A-League champions with a point following a 1-1 draw. The Raw took the lead on the hour mark as Brett Holman scored his first goal in the domestic competition for over 14 years, before a spirited fight back from the home side resulted in a late equaliser for Sergi Guardiola. All things considered, Scott, was this a point gained for the Raw or two points lost? I'll look at it as two points lost given the way the game played out, because I thought we controlled large parts of this game and we really should have been up by two or three goals and... Yes, the substitute, is it Miliuznik? The substitute came on. He made a big impact. And I, do, I thought before that, though, the game should have been over. And really, I think it's two points dropped the way it went because we should have won the game for me. Yeah, I think so as well. I think two points dropped. Um, yeah, the, like I said, you've got to give credit to Adelaide. I think, you know, they, they were staring down the barrel of, you know, five. You know, five straight losses, and yeah, it's at least they're on the board. And I think they're going to try and emulate what they tried and did last year, I think. Well, you know, for a team like Adelaide that is struggling, sometimes they need a result like that to get off the mark. But I feel like the Roar are going to be a little bit disappointed, all things considered, because they did create so many chances. Yeah, you look at some of the chances that Tommy Orr had, for example. Like, Brandon Brello had a good chance. Even Katibian laid on. There was more than enough chances in that game to win the, to score the goals to win the game. And I think they'll be a bit disappointed with it, if they're being honest. Yeah, definitely. Well... It was an interesting way that uh, Aloisi decided to set up the team in the end. So we were talking about it last week with Jamie McLaren away on Socceroos duty. It turned out to be Brett Holman playing up the top. Do you think that was the best idea? Well, we were both kind of right because Adam said Petralis to come in and I said Borello and they both did come in. We just didn't think they'd both do that. But yeah, I thought it was an interesting setup with Holman up front. I'm not sure it really worked because he kind of floated away. There was no real reference point at the top a lot of the time. But having said that, they still created enough chances to win the game. So even... Even if the setup wasn't the best, it still it should have been, it was good enough. I just remember watching the game, thinking, okay, so maybe Brandon Barella or Demi Petrados are going to be the strikers, but it didn't. Like you were saying, they didn't really have a clear option up top to be that outlet. It and was until Katabian came on in the last was it ten fifteen minutes or whatever it was. I won't mention who suggested that Katabian should be the starter. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, it's been three minutes twenty three seconds, and they're already sick of me. <laughs> <laughs> So, how much do you reckon the Raw did miss Jamie McLaren? I immensely. I think. Um, I think the way we're set up is that you know we that we rely on that you now high powered you know number number nine, and I think it wasn't really even a false nine. You know, you thought they may have gone down that road, but you know, it looked like that Brett Holman was set up as the striker, and you know, I think. I think H. Myers saw quite a little bit. He wasn't as quick as, you know, what you expect from the likes of Jamie McLaren. And I think, you know, we sort of paid for it a little bit. I think the uh, midfield sort of didn't adjust for, um, you know, so I guess a slower, you know, point man than what they normally used to. 
Well, with the way that the Raw have set up the last few weeks, they have tried to sit back and hit teams on the break. And I think that doesn't really work with a guy who is, you know, very good on the ball like Holman, but not necessarily able to beat defenders in a foot race like McLaren is. Yeah, they missed his pace in behind and his finishing. That's really what they missed with McLaren. Everything else was still in the, still there with Holman, but they missed. They did miss him a bit. Like, I mean, you can't deny he's a top player. I mean, they, you're going to miss him when he's not there. Definitely. And Brett Holman's goal, it was a long-range run, a little bit lucky because it did cop a deflection. But, yeah, I, I think that might be a sign that Holman is better suited playing a little bit deeper. Possibly, because it's reminiscent of a couple of goals he scored for the Socceroos, actually. A couple of long-range bombs. Yeah, who was it? Was it um, on the Fox commentary that I saw them talking about his goal against Serbia in the yeah. 2010 World Cup, saying and it was a, a little bit like that? Another one of the World Cup qualifiers, escaping which game it was, actually. Um, I, it was one... I, was probably, I can't remember which one it was. It was a World Cup qualifier as well. He hit one from around the same area. Yeah, so I think it shows he can get into that mm-hmm. position. And Yeah, Adam... Do you have something to add? No, no. <laughs> Just give me that look. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Okay, so you don't have anything to say. I guess that means you want to kill me. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Tommy Orr, what do you make of his performance on the night? He's someone who was in the initial Socceroos squad, wound up getting cut before the training camp. Do you feel like he made a little bit of a case on the night? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think, you know, he, he's been fairly solid, but without being spectacular. I think, you know... Where where sort of Jamie McLaren got the call up and where he was sort of cut was, at the end of the day, you know what would he have added to the Socceroos other than you know being a solid you know winger and a uh, lot based on last night. Yeah, yeah well, we'll talk about that later. No, hindsight's a wonderful thing now, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess at the time the prevailing thought was you know what would he have added you know compared to you know what they already had in the squad. So look, he you know like I said, he's travelling along a lot better than we was at the back end of last year. I think you can tell he's sort of back in climatise and sort of in, in the group. But I just think he's more sort of solid rather than actually being sort of a standout at the moment. But, you know, a couple of goals, um, especially spectacular goals, that may change the thought on that. I thought he was reasonably good on Friday night. I thought he could have scored at least a couple of goals. I mean, how many times did he sting Galekovic's gloves in that game? Oh, fair. Few. I think <laughs> it was uh, four. At one yeah. point, every shot on target from the Raw was from Orr and it forced a save out of Galekovic. I think at some point, seeing one of these goals is going to go in for him. He's had a few from long range. I do think he'll score soon. And when he does score, it'll probably boost his confidence more. And I think he's got a lot more to give as well. I do think he's got more to give, but he's going okay at the moment. We all seem to be on the same page of, you know, when one comes, I think it's going to come in droves. Yeah. Hopefully the sooner the better. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Adelaide were able to find an equaliser in the end. Sergi Guardiola, I feel like you could blame a fair few here. Yeah. Jade North for losing his man, Michael Theo for the keeping. Where do you put the blame, Scott? Oh, you could put it to both. You could also point at the other end of the field with the wasted chances for not making the win. But I think, I think Theo is rightly getting some criticism this week because he he did that wasn't the best piece of goalkeeping. And then when you also look at the distribution in the play, he's made plenty of mistakes there as well. But I'll also point Jade North as well because I think the marking there was just not good enough. I think senior player needs to do better. I think, yeah, I think it's just an overall calamity, I guess, in the end of the day. Um, like I said, it's, it's easier point. The finger of Theo, did he, did he you know, catch it late? Did he, you know, is it just, he did, didn't react to it? You know, it's, it's hard to know. I think, in the end of the day, I think yeah, Scott's right that, you know, at the end of the day, if, if we're leading 2 3 nil, then this is not yeah, an issue. Like, we, like I said, obviously there's a few sort of, you know, you know, out there that, you know, support the other keeper in a way, if you want to call it that, <laughs> and sort of clamouring for him to be, be in the side. But I think overall... Yeah, if if we if we got the game under control on the scoreboard, this doesn't become an issue. It's like it becomes a footnote. But because we drop two points, all of a sudden it gets to the top of the queue as far as you know criticism goes. And one thing I've noticed about Michael Theo is he hasn't had a whole lot of work to do the last few weeks. Despite the fact that the Raw have set up fairly deep, especially against Melbourne City, that felt like it was the first shot on target he'd faced in about a fortnight. <laughs> it probably was actually because there wasn't much Adelaide had in the game if you really think about it. I mean, they started to look more dangerous when the substitute came on, but really they didn't create many great chances in the game until that went in. And then after that, they kind of rode the wave of the crowd and they probably got better after that. But before that, they didn't really have any great chances. You're right, James. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out from here on out. We're going to talk about what's up next for the Raw in a little uh, little bit later on. We'll come back with segment two. We're going to look at the news from around the A-League and the other fixtures. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. 
Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We're actually here 24 hours later after finishing segment one because we were going on a bit of a rant about the Socceroos performance in Thailand and the studio lost power. I had nothing to do with it, I swear. So guys, good to see you again. That's your story and you're sticking to it, huh? Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? So yeah, we've had to come back a day later to record the rest of our show. We are going on a bit of a rant about their performance, but we'll try and keep it short this time for the mercy of everyone listening. And to keep the equipment working. Yeah. So let's move uh, on. We'll just quickly touch on what we talked about yesterday with the A-League recap. Melbourne City, Newcastle Jets. That was the uh, Thursday, Thursday night, night game. game. Yeah. Very small crowd in Melbourne. Makes me wonder if Thursday night is a concept that might not be working as well as the A-League would hope. It didn't even... Did it get much ratings on TV either? Cause it no, get... it's, it didn't really, from what I can tell. It was below your average sort of crowd. Because that, wasn't that kind of the whole point, to get people watching on a different night and everything? Wasn't yeah, that, that was it. I think it was more meant to be a TV decision, but... If it's yeah. not working either way, then you should probably look at that. Because it didn't work a couple of years ago when they did it as well. They had a whole bunch of midweek fixtures. See, the midweek fixtures, I think, would work really well over school holidays. Yeah, Christmas time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, funniest thing I noticed from this game, Nigel Bugard went off injured, looked like a pretty bad injury, and managed to get a, a yellow card while sitting on the bench. That was one of the more... I, only Nigel Bugard could match that, so... <laughs> Well, is he the most sent-off player in the league's yes, history? Yes, he is. I, I think he actually broke that record against the Raw last year. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's about all we need to say about that. Melbourne City 1-2-1. Central Coast and Wellington. Wellington got up 2-0 despite missing a fair few of their Kiwi stars. Wellington, they bounced back from a tough start, but small crowd in Canberra again. Do you think maybe the problem is Canberra was watching a game that not a lot of A-League fans are invested in? Highly possible. I mean, it wasn't the best game to choose to take down to Canberra if you're trying to gauge the audience, but for Wellington, that's an important win, given the fact that they started off slowly. That's a win without the majority of their all-whites players. But for Canberra, it's an interesting one because it didn't, didn't do their cause any, any good, given the fact expansion is on the table at the moment. They would probably probably been hoping for a crowd closer to 10,000, which would have been far more likely to put them in the, in the frame as a serious contender for expansion. Maybe if they put a marquee match-up in there. Oh, that's exactly. And, you know, I think uh, just touching back on Wellington, I think it's a win that they didn't probably weren't expecting if they were so realistic about things, but having five uh, all whites out. But, uh, yeah, as far as sort of the Canberra expansion sort of side of things go, yeah, I don't know if uh, 5,497 5, is, is a great crowd, but it is actually a, um, is actually a club record uh, at, at a, well, actually a ground record for GIO Stadium. So that's, I guess, one slight positive that they can take out of it that, you know, at least it is. But I think the expansion debate is far from settled on that. And there's going to be a lot more of that coming up soon. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a glamour game or not, but the A-League champions Adelaide, I think, are going to, to Canberra to play the Mariners in another game early next year, what? which might be a more of a better gauge of what the audience is like. Although that may be dependent on how Adelaide are going at that time. And Took that right out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so marquee matchup for the weekend, and I feel like it's the one that had a lot of talking points, was Melbourne victory against Western Sydney. 3 nil to the victory. Are the Wanderers really in trouble now, Adam? Um, it's hard to say. Um, I, I actually more look at, look at it as that, you know, I think Melbourne victory is starting to put it together. It's starting to get their, sort of, their midfield back and, uh, and whatnot. And they, were, and they were missing Marco Rojas as well. So I think they're, I think they're more an upswing. But I think, yeah, the Wanderers, uh, I think there are some questions, especially some on some of their marquees that, you know, while they're showing promise, are they actually delivering? Yeah, I think there's some, some problem there somewhere. They're not, I think, Jumpai and... Martin is the marquee player. I think they're creating things. There's just no end product to it at the moment. And when you look at the strikers, Santa Lab is a good player, but he's better off the bench. Bullard is not offering a lot. And outside of that, they're struggling for an option. So I think there might be some underlying problem there, there that Popovich might need to address rather quickly. Yeah, that could be it. Well, the only thing I would say about the Wanderers, though, is they're not really known as a high goal-scoring team. They've always struggled, even going back to Dino Cressinger in Season 1. Mm. I don't think Robbie Cornthwaite at the back has added has replaced Nikolai Topol Stanley quite as well as they were hoping for either. But he scored a couple of awesome goals for the Socceroos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So we're going to move on. To, yeah. We're going to move on to the Sunday game. Sydney this weekend's opponents for the Raw four-one over Perth. 
I think all we really need to talk about here is just that comical defending from Perth for Sydney's first goal to Milos Ninkovic. Yeah, I don't think Dino Jubic will be playing right back again anytime soon, will he? I doubt it. No. <laughs> no. I will right, so say Mil- Milos Ninkovic was very good on Sunday. We might talk about that more in segment four, but it's worth mentioning he was very good. Yeah, I think he's going to be giving a lot of the raw players some sleepless nights to say prepare to face him. Yeah, so. maybe. All right, so we're going to move on to Tuesday night now, and hopefully the studio stays intact this time. <laughs> yeah, Adam's just having a quick panic look around, <laughs> making sure that nothing's going to go pop. So we've got Socceroos 2-2 against Highland, and I'm going to give the polite version of what I said on Tuesday night, which is how can a Socceroos side that spent eight days or whatever in camp look like they've just gotten off the plane after a summer away and they're a local pub side? I think it's the issue may be in playing time. If you look at that starting eleven, there's a number of players whose season is either finished or they're not playing for their club at the moment. And maybe that match sharpness might have been a big factor in this. I think a lot of it to do, I believe a lot of it has to do with um, sort of just underestimated, you know, I guess the emotion of it, the I guess the, the intangibles of it, that, you know, this is a tie side that was had their season cancelled, you know, because of the death of the King. Um, they, I guess they've been in camp for two weeks and I think a lot of it being the first event since sort of the morning period sort of ended, I think they, they came out with nothing to lose and they come out swinging and I think they kind of shocked the Socceroos a bit. And Thailand have been troublesome for the Socceroos in the past. You think back to the Asian Cup, it was 4-0, but that wasn't a 4-0 game. It was three goals in the last five minutes. And when the Thailand side came to Brisbane in 2011, I think it was, in the World Cup qualifier, that was, again, two late goals to salvage a... After, so it was the three points there. After about 80 failed crosses into the yes. box to Tim Cahill and Josh Kennedy. Yes. Yeah, and I think you can't really discount the fact that the Thai side played just phenomenally on the night. They were far and away the better side. And honestly, I wouldn't have argued if they won based on how well they played. You couldn't really, based on the flow of the game. I mean, particularly the second half, they had the majority of the chances. That's it. And I do wonder, you know, some of the Socceroos' big names, like Aaron Moy especially, really struggled. I do wonder if they started to buy a little bit into the hype surrounding them from the first week of uh, first round of qualifiers. Yeah, I think Aaron Moy did not have a good game. I think uh, even his biggest sort of fans would say would say that you know he wasn't um, very good on on uh, Tuesday night. And look, I think it's maybe questions of whether you know while he's doing well, Huddersfield and Champions Championship, he was he was amazing last season for Melbourne City in the A League. But is he, um, you know, a player that is not just international standard, but can you can build a national team around him? And I think that's what the, the hope was about at the moment. I'm not seeing much sort. And he looked good in camp, according to Daniel Garb. They were just saying he, you know, is a class above the rest of the team and maybe he just had a bad game, which, look, everybody does. We can't panic too much, but I heard an interesting stat from Mike Cockrell today, the benefits of uh, recording 24 hours later. Apparently, Aaron Moyes played in the mid-20s of games already this year compared to last year when he had, what, 27 A-League games plus a couple of finals over the course of six, seven, eight months. So maybe just that wear and tear starting to get to him. Well, perhaps, yeah, that's, uh, I wasn't aware of that stat. So maybe, um, yeah, maybe fatigue is something, you know, if you're not used to it. Um, and nothing like a steamy, balmy night in Bangkok that could really sort of expose you know, your fitness or lack thereof. It, is, it isn't the end of the day for the Socceroos, so we're just going to have a quick look at the table. Saudi and Arabia and Japan are tied on 10 points on the top of the ladder. Uh, Australia and UAE are tied on 9 points just, after, uh, just behind them, so we're all halfway through. Australia have three games to go against UAE... Uh, hang on, let me just go back over that. UAE, Saudi Arabia and Thailand at home. I feel like that's going to be a comfortable 9 points because that was a special spot for Thailand. I don't see them being able to repeat that again. Yeah. So, uh, yep. So, um, I do think there's three home games you yeah. pointed out. We might, I think the first game of those is in Sydney in March. I think the second one is supposed to be in Adelaide for the Saudi game. And maybe, fingers crossed, maybe you might see the Socceroos here about this time next year if you're lucky. Fingers crossed. Now, from a raw perspective, we should touch on Jamie McLaren. He got the start up front but had some very, very limited uh, opportunities. He was in it early, but then they weren't really playing the right sort of balls in for him. It's a hard one to judge Jamie McLaren on, really, because you look at the two wingers, they haven't played regular football for their clubs and they weren't at their best. Moy and Rogic weren't at their best either, so the service for Jamie McLaren wasn't the best. I think also the way they, the system changed when he went off to that 4-2-2-2 with, was it Leckie and Giannou up front? No, I it wasn't Giannou, it was yeah, Burns. Yeah, so when those two were up front, the ball started get played in behind defenders for a striker to run onto. I mean, that's perfect for 
Jay McLaren. He never really had that opportunity throughout the game. And when we were messaging each other during the game, I think we were all saying, why couldn't you guess? <laughs> anyway, so we're going to move on from the Socceroos before we get too heated again. And it survived. Yes, that's it. So a hey. couple of quick uh, stories that jumped out for me. Mark Kingsman, the Raw's managing director, had a bit of a Q&A on Twitter. And the one thing that came out from that was the fact that the Raw are having trouble finding an appropriate venue for their Asian Champions League qualifier. Yeah, um, look, it's obviously there's, uh, and here we, I guess here we go again. Like I said, it seems like every time we have Asian Champions League, uh, we've got an issue with the venue. And, and like I said, it, like, like two, two campaigns ago, we end up selling the game off to Thailand, don't know, to Buriram, don't know how we did that. And then uh, Gold Coast for the group stages last year. So I think it's going to be very interesting to hand. And obviously, obviously, this time it's uh, concerts and other sort of uh, events going on, which are going to make things difficult. But I think Mark Kingsman and the club have got a lot of work to do as far as uh, securing a a suitable venue. And I wouldn't actually even put it past them to even be considering you know, maybe giving it to the away team. Oh, they can't do that again. But firstly, before I get into that, it's good to see Mark Kingsman engaging with the fan base. It's the first time Brisbane supporters have really heard from, them, from him since he took over, so that was very good. On the ACL, they can't do that again, Adam. They can't sell the game off to, again, they can't do that to the Brisbane public. Yeah. Having said that, you can also make the argument they can't take it to the Gold Coast again either, so it's a really difficult place for the Raw at the moment to work out exactly what to do in this situation. I don't think there's one solution here that everyone's going to get behind. If they take it to the Gold Coast and say it was the only option as a one-off, people are still going to complain. If they t- do what Adam's suggesting and sell it to China or Japan or whoever ends up coming through there, it'll be a game like the Burry Ram thing, people won't be happy. So it's very interesting to see what they're going to do here because, I mean, is it the Rugby 10s who have got the Suncorp for the whole week? And so, yeah, for the 10th and 11th. The they've fixed, got the full, they've booked yeah. the full week and um, I think QSAC is out with a concert and yep, so all the, the other venues are ruled unsuitable. So it's an interesting so, one. Yeah, Suncorp Stadium due to Rugby 10s. QSAC has a concert. Ballymore and the new Dolphin Stadium in Redcliffe have been ruled out as not up to standard. I think it's to do with lighting and amount of corporate or media space available. Yeah, there's a yeah. whole bunch of AFC stipulations. AFC's uh, regulations are very strict and very clear on what, what can and can't be. So that's, that's going to be a uh, problem in itself. Just going back to what you're saying, Scotty, just in my defence about the whole sell, uh, to the, sell sort of to the opposition sort of angle... I guess in a way, you know, while I agree with you, as a, as a fan, I, I agree with you that, you know, that would be almost unforgivable to Raw to do that again. I think also it's what we've got to consider as well is, you know, the financial aspect. Like, as, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, the club's got no money, the club's got no money. But that's, you know, that, that could be, you know, $100,000 that they could save by, by shipping away. But then again, you know what, it's, I guess at the end of the day, the fans want to see their team play no matter what in an Asian Champions League competition. And that's, but it's sort of something that, that it's a consideration because it'd be nothing worse than coming to a stage where they just can't find a ground to play it. And this brings it back to the ownership situation. And it's just not what a good owner would do, would be to find a way to host this game somewhere in Brisbane. So it might be a good litmus test to see just how committed the owners are to the situation here in Brisbane. But anyway, that's a, yeah. we can probably go on about this for another mm. 10 minutes and go around in circles. But. I have to admit, like the interaction I saw from Kingsman with the fans was really really yeah. good like the amount of just replies he got even yeah. actually went into a conversation where there were 10 12 posts deep and yeah i think that's all really encouraging sunday, didn't it, really? yeah on sunday morning too yeah. it went all the way through that was still going sunday night monday morning yeah well i think it shows like if nothing else we've at least got a guy that we as fans we've got a guy that we can actually contact and say look this is what we're feeling what can you do like it might, we might not always get what we want out of it which i think is reasonable but we've at least got that outlet now where we can go and say hey can you help us out with this and maybe it might be a good precursor to an actual properly run fans forum where people can come in and get questions in person and also answers in person even and also like that's the second time the raw raw staff have done something quite good after being engaged on social media you remember jamie mclaren with the membership packs early on so yeah i think that's got to be a good start anyway we're going to, I think, call it off for segment two th- since yes. we actually made it through this one. <laughs> we'll be back with segment three in just a little bit. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back 
It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. Before we take a look at the weekend's events in the W League and National Youth League, Adam, can you outline something we're going to introduce moving forward? Yeah, it's a part of our sort of interactivity with our fans. How many there are out there? Mum and Dad. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're going to be incorporating uh, a mailbag. So what we'll do is we'll post a question or comment or statement on our uh, Facebook page on uh, over the weekend. And obviously any responses and any good responses we get, we'll uh, read out in the show next week. I'm not telling anyone how tall I am. You're Mike Madocker height at best. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> so I'll tell them how short you are anyway. Yeah, I'm actually standing up and I'm still pretty much at Adam's eye level <laughs> sitting down. <laughs> All right, so round two of the W League saw Brisbane make the long trip west to take on fellow first round winner Perth Glory at Dorian Garden Stadium on Saturday evening, with the 0 0 scoreline failing to reflect the contest, which saw both sides create numerous chances. Sonny Franco had a goal ruled out for offside, while at the other end, Mackenzie Arnold continuously denied Samantha Kerr to keep the scores level. Overall, Scott, should we be happy with the point? I'd say so, but it's hard to tell because I don't think anyone saw the game, did they? There's been no highlights package oh, or anything. 697 people at Dorian yeah. Gardens, maybe, but... Uh, Twitter commentary? Yeah. Yeah, I do think a uh, point away from home is probably a good point. I mean, it keeps the roar in the top four in the finals places. I mean, it's really hard to gauge based on the fact that we didn't see what happened, but... Yeah, and I think I think it actually rules up, brings up a big point about uh, the W League. You know, obviously, you know, the FFA. You know, you, you think that there's there's cameras there because they're obviously showing highlights. But you know, like I said, there's there's renewed interest and actually you know increased interest in W League. And like I said, we're all here watching Twitter. And by the way, a very good job that the women's game yeah. Twitter feed does. You know, they they do an awesome job. But I think we actually want to see the game. Yeah, definitely. Like we know that there are cameras there for whatever reason. And I, how hard is it to organise something that... We were just talking about the members' uh, option yeah. of streaming the well, game I, on a site. We were just talking about off-air before we came on, the idea of maybe they could have a website where members can log into and live-stream the game. Because members it's get not, access to the home games. Yeah, so, so it's, it's an idea they could probably run with. They already have a camera there. I mean, surely it wouldn't take too much effort to, to broadcast that somewhere for people to watch because there's probably going to be a fair few people who would watch... A W League game online, away from home. And Mr. Kingsman, if you're listening, we will happily do the commentary for that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because people aren't sick of our voices enough already, right? <laughs> but just, just on that as well, um, obviously, just on the whole whole uh, televised uh, sort of issue, is that you know, Cricket Australia announced on Monday morning you know, that, that, they're, that they're either streaming or showing live on television all the women's uh, Big Bash League games. So surely that's the gauntlet thrown down to the Football Federation Australia to say, you know what, if, that's, if that can work for, the, for cricket's you know, peak game, surely they've got to respond in kind, you know, especially in a very, very competitive you know, women's market. And it's all of a sudden, it has become you know, the, the big game in town. Is it the Women's Netball League? It's the new one, the National Netball League, doing something similar with Channel 9 and... And I think it's at Telstra who's got the dual rights with that. And I yeah, wouldn't be surprised yeah. that the women's AFL also has some oh, yeah, sort of absolutely. digital way so. to keep track of all these games as well because they've been very good with that, with the AFL doing that. was probably the first to do it. So I wouldn't be surprised. It's a good... It'll be good for the AFFA to respond with the and if there is coverage one, of the WL. And if there is one thing that we're learning, it's streaming is a way of the future. Like, we've... We, we all follow US sports or sports mm. around the world where we have to stream it yep. because that's the only way for us to get access. It's the same with the Premier League as well. Yeah, well, now, now with their deal. But uh, we, won't start, we won't try and incite no, anyone on that. <laughs> Let that through the keeper. But look, four points to start off the season for the Roar. Is that correct? Yeah, four points out of two games. I think they're second or third on the table off the top of my head, which is they're in a good space at the moment. They've got a home game this weekend against Canberra, which would be a very good game, actually, because Canberra and Melbourne City at the weekend on TV was a very good game. I think Canberra played very well, but Melbourne City just, with their strength, just edged it. So Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. But I'd say the most entertaining Brisbane Raw game of the weekend was actually the National Youth League side. Speaking of coming back at a second attempt. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, second half of asking following a washout Saturday afternoon, Brisbane Raw and Melbourne Victory had an early Sunday morning start and played out an entertaining 3-3 draw. Victory got off to a fast start with goals from Pierce Waring, Lucas Derrick, and Alexander Stan 
Hang on, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I knew I was going to mess that one up. We were waiting for that. And it's Alexander Stanislavlevich. I'm very, very sorry, any Victory fans <laughs> listening. Uh, can the, the book's sake guys help us out here? <laughs> yeah. I did my best, but I have enough trouble remembering my own name half the time. And so the three goals from those guys put the visitors on course for the points early on, but dramatic second half turn around from the Raw saw Shannon Bra- Brady, Nicholas Dagas Nicholas da- I can't do this now. <laughs> Nicholas D'Agostino and Dane Ingham all find the net to rescue a point. So, guys, you were both both at the ground while I was fast asleep Sunday morning. What did you make of the game? Firstly, that's a fantastic pronunciation. I stuffed up. Bra- I stuffed up Brady. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was a classic game of two halves to bring it back to the football. I mean, victory started very strongly in the opening ten minutes. Yes, it was a couple of defensive errors from the Raw that allowed them to get in, but victory were very good in the opening 20-25 minutes of the game, particularly defensively as well, because the Raw had a lot of the ball, but they were playing across the back and they were struggling to get the ball forward, which was probably also due to the Raw's front line not working the way they were hoping to. But victory started off very strongly and the Raw came back very well in the second half and probably should have won the game in the end. They had a missed penalty from Diagostino and a couple of other good chances. So it was an encouraging start for the young Raw, if not a winning one. I think uh, whatever uh, Coach uh, James Robinson said, I think must have worked because they, they, they came out a different team. Um, and and, and like, I think it was a case of, you know, also the humid condition. It was very, very yeah. humid. I think you could tell that the Victory boys were sort of, you know, almost, you know, you know sort of paddling, you know, to, to hoping for the, for the uh, final whistle. <laughs> for about but, the hour mark, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and look, yeah, unlike, like Diagostino missed, missed, well, actually, I should say the penalty yeah. was saved. And yes, um, is it, That's an important distinction. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that it's a saved penalty. And it was actually a decent um, save by Steve Hatsaridis. And, um, and yeah, like I, said, I think there's promising signs. I think the first half, you can probably say they forget, forget they went round. But the second half especially, and I think the fight back, I think that will please a lot of people, not only at the club, but I think the people that were there were, I think, were very happy. With, with their performance in the second half. Yeah, just to give an idea for people how hot it was, it started at 8.30. They had a, a drinks break in the first half before 9 o'clock because it was already over 30. Mm. So it was a very warm morning, even though it was an 8.30 kickoff. It, it was pretty unpleasant on Sunday. Yeah. I think it maxed out at about, what, 35 during the day? Yeah, something and, around there. And for Brisbane, it's a fairly humid city. And we had all that water on the ground after the storms on Saturday, which caused the uh, washout. Yes. And that pretty much meant, you know, you had all that trapped in. It basically made it feel like a swamp. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so some of the other National Youth League scores from week one. Conference A, Adelaide United played Melbourne City, with City coming away 4-1 victors. Meanwhile, Perth had another weekend at home. Can you believe that? Of course, they were Someone's got to have the buy in a a five-team group. (laughs) Stepped all over my punch line. (laughs) (laughs) Conference B had Newcastle Jets uh, playing the West Sydney Wanderers, 4-3 to the Jets. FFA Centre of Excellence beating Central Coast 2-1 and Sydney FC didn't lose because they had the bye. Yeah, well, just to play to your punch, like Perth are at home again this weekend because they're playing the young (laughs) Raw. But a couple of other points I wanted to make about the players. Shannon Brady made his first appearance in about a year for the young Raw and he struggled in the first half, but that was probably more due to the system. I thought the second half, he was a big part of the turnaround. Along with so was the substitution at halftime of Mark Rodditch coming on for Joe Duckworth. I mean, Joe Duckworth making his debut for the young Raw He's a striker who was playing on the left. I just don't think he fully grasped the role. When Ingham went forward and to the right wing and Brady switched to the left, the role looked a lot better. So I think that's the two really big takeaways, along with some of the fringe A-League players, like Kai Rolls did well, Joe Coletti did well, O'Toole was okay. So that's probably the few big points that I took out of the game from individuals. The thing about Dane Ingham as well, he actually started right back. So I I don't know if that's going to be his role for the season, because you're right, he was a much better player. And he scored a terrific goal to equalise, so he, I think him playing right back, you know, he needs, he needs to be forward. He did play a bit of right back towards the end of the MPL, which was probably more due to other players coming into the right wing role, but... Pardon my ignorance, but Daining, is he any relation to Jai? He yes, sure is. younger brother. Yeah, well, you know what they say, the younger brother's always the best, right? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Jai's doing pretty well, so if he's better than Jai, and we've got a good player on our hands here. I know, Melbourne are going to have a fantastic player on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> which Melbourne, though? They swap. It could be he could go to Melbourne City. Was it Melbourne Brisbane Rule B or Melbourne Brisbane Rule C? <laughs> I'm just sh- taking shots at everybody today. <laughs> anyway, so this weekend, the W League and National Youth League fixtures. The Raw are playing Canberra United Sunday 4 p.m. at AJ Kelly Field. 
Perth Glory are hosting the Brisbane Roar in the National Youth League. Sunday, 1.30 WA time at Ashfield Soccer Club. Dorian Gardens. I think it's just... Yeah, Dorian Gardens. All right, we'll have to remember to put that in the run sheet for next week. So I think that'll wrap up, actually, pretty good segment three, I thought, guys. Just quickly, I do hope... Sunday 4pm is a good time for people to get up to Redcliffe for this game for the W League. Yeah, th- so I hopefully think, yeah. people do get out and support them this weekend. Yeah, even though it's up in Redcliffe, you know, Redcliffe's a great place. Is up it? There my, oh, it's in my part of the world. So, <laughs> look, I think as well, it's important to keep the momentum going as well. You know, a great turnout, Spencer Park, for the last game. And, you know, the girls deserve the support. So hopefully people can sort of, you know, make time and get out there on Sunday afternoon. And as we keep saying, the W League is a really entertaining product. Absolutely, it is. All right, so that's going to be it for this segment. We'll be back for segment four to look at the Sydney FC game this weekend, Maroon Saturday. We're back on the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. All right, guys. Welcome back to segment four of the Brisbane Football Review, podcast here from the Switch 1197 studios and in conjunction with Outside90. Before we talk about the weekend's game, Scott, can you outline with how people can get in touch with us? Yeah, okay. So we have our Facebook account, which is facebook.com slash Brisbane Football Review. On Twitter, at Raw Review. Our podcast is on iTunes and Audio Boom. We have listening on Switch 1197. James will be filming podcast. Oh, not podcasts. Um, fan, fan cams. cams on s- Saturday night after the game on the Northern Plaza. And if you're looking for a Sydney perspective, although I'm not sure why you would, you could go to Sky Blue View, who's our partner with Outside90.com. That's right. And our podcast is also up on Outside90.com, so check it out for the match preview that I will be writing for them. Now, Adam, we just in between segments, we actually had a little bit of breaking news yeah, pop bit up. Yeah, a bit of breaking news that come out on the uh, World Game and sourced by AAP that apparently Football Federation Australia have posted a uh, small loss, which is the first time since 2011. I wonder if that was in the operating budget or if Frank Lowe is sitting at home going, Stephen, what did you do? <laughs> no, yeah. really, Stephen? I trusted you with this. <laughs> yeah, well, I have been owning Newcastle for the last two years, so that could be yeah. a part of there. Look, it's all, it, look, it's not nothing catastrophic. Or when I guess uh, we'd all love to, you know, have three hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars worth of uh, pocket change. But I guess, yeah, the big picture is it's not, it's not the end of the world. But sort of, let's hope it's not a continuing trend. And just like one little quick thing on that, I do wonder if they're kind of starting to move their operating costs to the prep, to preparing for the. Um, for the next uh, broadcast deal, look, a bit possibly, yeah. Like I said, uh, apparently one of, one of the big outgoings uh, this year was uh, two point five million dollars to each of the ten franchises in, in the expenses. So maybe that's sort of part of it. So look, it's it's. I don't think anyone needs to be too concerned, but uh, it's certainly it's not not the most ideal sort of bad news that they want to be broadcast a bit this time. Yeah, well, that's it. Anyway, let's move on to uh, Saturday's game. Sun- yes. Yeah, Saturday night. Saturday night. 6.50 for the Roar against Sydney FC at uh, Suncorp Stadium. All-time against Sydney FC. Uh, it's played 35, 15 wins for Brisbane, 9 losses and 11 draws. So another team they've got a pretty good record against. And at Suncorp, it's phenomenal. 11 wins, 3 draws, 3 losses from 17 games. Yeah, I mean, there's a long time without a loss at home to Sydney from season 3 through... The end of the Mike Mulvey era was the was a long time in between there with consecutive wins for the Raw at home, including of course the Adnan ninety second minute followed by Borussia and all the rest of it. Game. I'll meet you in the tunnel. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that that was awesome. Actually, it was one of the uh, first games I took one of my friends to, and he was asking me, "Does this happen in every game?" <laughs> <laughs> we wish. <laughs> oh, look! It was one of those times where I just loved that stabby looking Borussia's it eye. It depends which what you're talking about. You're talking about the Borussia in the tunnel thing, or the last minute equaliser winners? Because well, the second half of that kind of does happen a fair bit. Yeah, that's it. So overall, Sydney have gotten off to a phenomenal start this year. They're scoring at will. They've got, I would say, potentially one of the most complete squads in the competition. How optimistic are we about Brisbane's chances? Look, I if if this game were in Sydney, I'd say we're no chance. 
but I think, you know, being the Suncorp sort of, you know, fortress sort of thing, big crowd Saturday night. Look, I, I think actually we might be a bit of a show. I think they're a good chance to win this game as well. I mean, but to your point, Sydney are the most complete side. They've got the best attack and the best defence in the league at the moment. But I do think they're all... We'll save that to the end, but I think they're a very good chance of winning this game because at home, as Adam mentioned, they're all very strong. They've got good players. I don't think Sydney have really been tested against a strong side like, uh, like the Broad yet. Only maybe Melbourne victory, but that was a home game. And some of the comments we're hearing from the Raw players, they're all feeling pretty confident as well. Jade North was saying uh, on Outside 90 today that you know, they're all confident that they're just one or two steps away from stringing together a whole bunch of consecutive wins. Well, they've always had three straight wins in a row, dating back to Friday night, because they should have had three straight based on that. Yes, well, we, we discussed That's that, we discussed that ago, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, it is going to be a special, uh, special night. The Raw are going to be wearing a maroon state of origin themed jersey for a one-off this season. I think this is going to be a very interesting discussion. Adam, are you in favour of wearing this as a one-off kit? Uh, look, uh, I'm personally, I can understand the marketing behind it and sort of the, the need to reach out uh, to sort of a non-footballing uh, sort of, I guess, public, I guess. But me personally, I'm, I'm not a great fan of anything other than the orange at home. I've, I've, sort of, I've said it previously that I think it's probably a, a, be a better kit for either an away game or even you know, maybe Champions League. But I'm, I'm a big tra- traditionalist in this regard that you know, I think that you should be wearing your home kit. But you know what? It, it's a marketing tool for the Raw. Uh, you know, I guess the, the club sort of is not known for its marketing strength. And look, if that's going to put you know, 5,000 more bums in seats than normal, then you know, I guess, look, good on them. I could have sworn you were more pro Maroon in the before we started recording this. Actually, I mean, I'm well. There's a bus you just got thrown under. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were. Anyway, I'm obviously strongly against it. To Adam's point, I agree. Mar- Orange is our colour. We should be wearing it as often as possible, particularly at home. I would even prefer to wear it away from home more than more than any other colour. To be honest, so I'm a big traditionalist in wearing your colours. Orange is our colour. It's not maroon. Maroon is obviously the state colour. We are not. Queensland, we are Brisbane. And it was the second colour for a while there. It was part of a second colour. And to Graham Arnold's point as well, he was talking today down there, they're not a fan of this concept either. Although that could just be Graham Arnold trying to stir up interest. You never know with, with Mr Arnold. He's never shy of courting controversy in his comments. But I tend to agree with him. This is not rugby league. This is football. And we create our own tradition and history, not copy other codes. No matter how successful it is or isn't. Yeah, that's fair. Look, I've said it all along. I'm a big fan of this as... Look, as a one-off, if they had one of those things where they were trying to force themselves into wearing it five, six, seven games of the year, I'd be going, that's a little bit much. But as a one-off marketing gimmick, it's really good. They had Billy Moore in yeah. to present the jerseys to the team. Yeah, I think that's, that's actually polarised sort of, you know, the, the traditional, so I guess the traditional football fans here about you know, why the need to, um, to have you know, a rugby league player. No, and look... Yeah. It's Billy Moore, you know the the whole Queenslander thing. But you know there there has been you can't deny there's been talk about that. And, you know that a lot. It's actually cheesed off a lot of uh, sort of traditional football fans about that. I mean, but, there's plenty of Queensland football legends you could have chosen here as well. You didn't have to go with a rugby league person if you really sit down and think about. It. There's a number of historic f- Queensland footballers true. you could have chose. But go ahead, James. I was going to say f- f- from a marketing perspective, they're not really going after people like us who are already ingrained, yeah. you know, as raw fans. They're trying to bring in. You know, like you're saying, five, ten thousand more people every week who might not be, you know, died in the wool raw fans who just want to go and see a good football game. And look, if this does result in a crowd increase, I think we can only call it a success. Well, I was about to say that the average crowd against Sydney FC is seventeen thousand three hundred ninety. So you're obviously looking at twenty plus here. But how do you judge success in this? Because you've also got to factor in a potential Tim Cahill bounce. This is the first home game post the Tim Cahill game up here, which generated a number of interest as well. So how do you juggle the two? Is it, if there's a big crowd, is it the origin concept or is it the Tim Cahill boost? I mean, it could be both. It could be one or the other. We don't know, but it'll be interesting to see just what the crowd number is with that in mind. I just think if we can, if we can get over that 17,000 average and we push past 20, I think, I think that'll be a success. But like, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's marketing. Um, look, let's just, let's just hope that, you know, it gets through and we get a big crowd out there on a Saturday night. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, be there. I don't know if I'll be in orange or maroon, though. I'm still deciding. You can wear whatever you like. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there in the, the, the traditional home kit. Also on the pitch, though, not just the kits will be the players. So one of the things that we've been talking about back and forth has been the issue with the goalkeeper. So Michael Theo had, I would say, a fairly rough game against Adelaide. Are you starting to doubt him a little bit? 
I think that we talked about yesterday with um, Michael Theo. I'd still start him in this game. I think that he's still building back fitness and sharpness. I mean, you think about it, he's only had a handful of games in the last two years. There's still going to be some rust there. I understand like the limit on that is kind of approaching. It's starting to want to see more consistency. But for this one, I'll give him another chance. If it happens again on Saturday night, for example, then, okay, you might have to start calling for Jamie Young a little bit stronger. Oh, I think uh, Michael Theo starts. Um, but I think he's, I think, you know, obviously he's, we can say final warning, but I think the questions are legitimate about his ability, whether you know, he is the future or whether this is just about sort of getting through to, you know, a a retirement perhaps at the end of this season or next and uh but like i said the the questions are very warranted i think but i think he starts i think at the end of the day one one sort of i guess you know incident where you know we didn't lose the game i don't think that should cost him a spot so and we also did mention yesterday it also wasn't solely michael theo's fault that goal either no but so i it's still a little feel bit like that was savable. put him under the bus a little bit for that one mm. and you know, as much as we are going to criticise Theo for the errors that he had, you've got to remember, Jamie Young's had more than yeah. his share of errors as well. So it might just be a case of which goalie do you trust to not make... I think make it's time to make a choice here and stick with one for the season because you can't keep swapping and changing all the time whenever one makes a mistake. Mm. So the squads are in for this game. Jamie McLaren's back after international duty. I feel like he's the big question because he was a player that was probably missed most on Friday night. Adam, would you start him? Oh, it's a good question. Um, look, at, uh, he, he did get through 60 minutes of work on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, trip trip back from Bangkok. Look, I'd say you probably, I think you probably would start him. If, if I guess, against the league leaders, I think we need we need to, if he can even, you know, bob up once and score early, that might be enough to, t- you know, t- turn the game to the tide of the raw. So, look, I, I would probably risk him to start him. But we've got to be wary that, you know, he probably won't, you wouldn't think he'd last 90 minutes. Yeah, before the squads came out today, I said it would be... He'd be in instead of Brandon Borello. I didn't know about the injury. So, obviously, there's a starting spot available now. So, I'd say he comes in. I'd probably get a good 60 to 70 minutes out of him. And then you're probably looking at maybe a Diagostino who's been added to the squad coming on and finishing the game out up front. That's right. So, on the other side of the pitch, who are you most worried about? We've talked about Milos Ninkovic. Yeah. He's the guy who I feel like could really just unlock a raw defence that has been, you know, good, but still not quite perfect yet. Yeah, his combination with fan favourite Alex Brosk up here would be a, probably be a, a... They've been very good, those two, in combination. You've got Carney who comes off the bench. I mean, just look at the strength. Bernie Beanie can't even get into their squad at the moment. So that kind of shows you how well they're going in terms of depth in the attacking areas at the moment. I actually think it's also as well, like I said, I think the, the whole front four of, of Sydney FC are going to be formidable. I actually think, you know, watch out for, for Bobo. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Bobo? Or yeah, Bobo. Bobo. I mean. Bobo. <laughs> Bobo. And, uh, and also <laughs> Philip Olosko as well. Um, look, I, I think you know, this is going to be a cracking game, I think, on paper. And I, I think it may even produce on Saturday night. Consider your Simpsons reference about Bobo noted, James. Oh, I'm sure we're going to hear plenty of those on Saturday <laughs> night. Now... Someone who is very, very confident is, in fact, Graham Arnold. He had some comments today. So we're still operating about 60 65% of where it will end up. Last week, we had 47 entries into Perth Glory's penalty box. On 27 occasions, we should have got a shot on goal or should have scored and only scored four times. So they're clearly thinking just the number of times they're going to get the ball into the box, that's going to result in some goals. So his point about being, what do you say, 60 65%, you say? Yeah. I think every team's about that at the moment. I don't think anybody's anywhere near the finished article at the moment, what we're six games into a 27-week competition, I'm not sure anyone's close to their peak at the moment. Although maybe Sydney's further along, I don't know, but... I honestly just can't I think he's playing mind games again. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic show, hopefully. And some of the other fixtures going on around the A-League, you've got Western Sydney against Melbourne City, Perth Glory against Adelaide United. Now, Wellington against Melbourne Victory has been postponed after the earthquake, and we hope, you know, everyone over there is still... Wish all the uh, guys over, you know... Well, and all those affected, I think, uh, working well. And also, as well, commiserations for those for those who actually went over for the uh, Melbourne Victory game. But I know a certain person will at least be having a good holiday. Yeah. Certainly. All right, so the other game, Newcastle Central Coast, the F3 derby. I'm not going to call it the M1 derby because no. that's still... No, it's that's F3, trademarked. Derby. That's right. So as we mentioned before, we've got the fan cams coming yep. up on Saturday night. Northern end near the Wally Lewis statue after the game. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so just before we go, we'll finish off with our predictions. So one from around the A-League. Adam? Uh, I think... Uh, oh, you put me on the spot here. 
Yeah. <laughs> right, well, I'll come, go come back. This is a really fascinating round, actually. I mean, there's a lot of fixtures here between teams who are evenly matched. I'll look for Western Sydney at home. Yeah. And Julie, both Western Sydney need to win at home and Melbourne City probably need to win away from home to legitimise themselves as, other than just a flat-track home bully. So that'll be a really interesting game. I think it's Friday night, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. That'll be what I'll be watching. After careful contemplation. Uh, <laughs> look, I, th- I think actually the uh, F3 derby, I think, will surprise. I think uh, Central Coast will be looking to bounce back. Uh, Newcastle, obviously, as well, they'll be looking to bounce back. And you know what? You know, this game can go one of two ways. And uh, I actually think it might actually be quite entertaining. Yep. I think what we're saying is the real game of the round is in Brisbane on Saturday night. Absolutely. That's the one everyone's going to be watching. My prediction from around the A-League, though, will be Adelaide United builds on their encouraging effort last weekend and gets a win over Perth. So, uh, Brisbane-Sydney predictions. Adam, got something for this? (laughs) Uh, I think Brisbane 2-1. I'll say Brisbane 3-1. I'm confident. I really am. I think we're going to win this game. Brisbane 4-3. I actually hope so. <laughs> There's a lot of attacking talent there, and I feel like it's going to show through. I hope McLaren's going to be annoyed after the way his Socceroos game went and decides to make the most of it. All right, that's going to be it for this week. Guys, it was a very, very long recording yeah. session. Wow. <laughs> so don't break, the, don't break the equipment next week, James. I, I didn't push anything. I've got <laughs> witnesses. So we'll be back next week on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How.